0: Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 350 of Hippie Witch Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kickass Witch, putting the K in Magic and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace Love and all that good shit and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode back on Blog Talk Radio, and because this is still September 2018, and September is my birthday month, I have one more special discount that I want to share with you that I created for you in honor of my own birthday, (laughs) because the only thing better than getting gifts is giving gifts. I'm old enough to know that now, so I have created a 20% off discount code for those of you who want to do the Shadow Love audio journey, and I will tell you more about that at the end of this episode if you don't know what it is, or there's a link around here that you can follow, but it's called Shadow Love because it's about how moving through the shadow creates a greater sense of self-love, and that is what doing shadow work has been like for me, and I was very fired up, turned on, inspired when I created that audio journey and I'm excited to share it with you again. Here it is 20% off when you put in the code at checkout. I love my life. I love my life. All lowercase, no spaces. I love my life. That's a good affirmation, mantra, to take on for a period of time as well, to just constantly think to yourself and say out loud and write down, I love my life. I love my life. For a lot of people, I think that that's easier than I love myself. So if you have a hard time saying I love myself, you might want to start with I love my life and see where that takes you. So today we are doing another fear-less episode, Fearing Less. I want to talk about Fearing Less, and I want to talk about ruling the shadowscape with love. So that is what we'll be talking about here today, but first I want to take a moment to connect with a couple of people who reached out to me lately. Actually, two of you who reached out quite a while ago now, a long while ago, with questions that I said I would answer on the show, and I I totally spaced on that. I forgot to, to honor that promise. So here I am, with apology for the delay. I am so sorry for the delay. I am honoring that promise now. So George, George writes, Hello, Miss DeVoe. I am a new listener of your Hippie Witch podcast and love your show. I have been experimenting with Wicca and New Age beliefs for a while and totally agree with your interpretation of the craft. Feeling that it is time to start doing daily rituals, I would like to ask you if you feel it is important to cast a circle. Or should that be up to me? I don't want to do anything wrong or disrespectful. I also don't want to attract any negative energies. What are your feelings? Please help. Your fan and new follower, George. Hi, George. Uh, I am not going probably to give you an answer that someone who is a Wiccan would give you. I am not a Wiccan, and I do not believe that we need... To protect ourselves from negative entities when we are communicating with spirit or our souls or God. I don't have that belief system, so that is not something I do. I do set intentions sometimes. You may have heard the episode I did here with Benabel Wynn when I was talking about way back in the day, many, 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 many years ago. I was exploring channeling and I learned that channeling was something that came really easily to me. I really just learned it out of a book, a book called Opening to Channel. And I just adopted this little intro that they had before that they said to say before you started channeling. And it goes like this I ask all high guides from the white light and love from the fifth dimension and above to join me now. When I said that, in the very, very beginning, when I was first practicing channeling, I felt a shift. I felt this kind of energy move through me. And when something works, I stick to it. So I literally have been saying that since, gosh, I don't know, (laughs) probably coming up on a couple of decades now, a long time. And I do it like if I'm going to do a big tarot reading that I'm really into, or I'm Maybe trying to do like a special ritual for something, but I'm not afraid of strange negative entities glomming onto me or demons. That really wasn't a part of the religion that I grew up in. They didn't warn us about demons too often. It came up every now and again, (laughs) but it wasn't like drilled into us. And when I started looking into the occult and I would see things like that, all I saw was fear. I saw fear-mongering. I saw people, well-meaning people, teaching that. So I don't really know if my perspective is the correct perspective. I think everybody is different, but I certainly do not cast circles— 99.99% of the time. I think it's an interesting thing to explore, to see if it works for you, to see if it makes you feel more safe, more calm, more focused, more centered. If that's what it does for you, awesome. Go for it. But I am allergic to dogma. I do not enjoy dogma no matter who is presenting it to me. So I tend to, like, buck those kind of rules. So take what I'm saying here with a grain of salt, and thank you so much for reaching out. I really appreciate it. The other question comes from Damn Gina, Damn Gina on Twitter. (laughs) Uh, And I think she left Twitter because Twitter was stressing her out, but hopefully she's still listening to the podcast. She says... Where is your question, Gina? <laughs> Hold on. Let me go digging for it. I'm going to have to pause this to go find your question. Well, I have lost the question, <laughs> but I do know what it was regarding. So Gina was asking about meditation and saying she still doesn't have a regular meditating practice, and she wanted to know if I had any tips about meditation. And I totally do. I am a, I'm a drive-by meditator. I I I do it on the go. I do little teeny tiny bits of meditation. And I feel like it's really overwhelming when people are like, I meditate for 60 minutes a day. It's the most important thing I do. It's the foundation of my practice. It's the reason I'm successful. Like you hear things like that and you're like, I guess I better meditate for 60 minutes a day or even 20 minutes a day. A lot of people find it very challenging to find 20 minutes out of their day to add another thing to what they're doing. Although I would challenge you, like, you could watch one less episode of that show on Netflix. There. Done. Um, but I, I'm a big fan in all things of starting very, very, very small, little micro movements, micro habits. And so something that I will do sometimes, I love my mala beads. I think mala beads are amazing for training yourself to sit still and meditate. They're especially good if you like to work with your breath or a mantra. So it a traditional set of mala beads has 108 beads, which corresponds to some really cool cosmic astrological stuff as well that I won't get into right here. But mala beads are very cool. I have a beautiful set of black obsidian mala beads that I love. And I sit down and I tell myself, I only have to sit here for the length of one, like 108 bead count. And what that does, it's kind of like setting a timer. I think it's better than setting a timer for meditation unless you set your timer with a really gentle, plinky, plunky, lovely alarm instead of scaring the crap out of yourself after you get into a meditative state. I like the mala beads because it's silent and I know when I get to the big, giant bead with the tassel on the, on the end that I have reached the end of that meditation session. And so I just sit there and one bead at a time you can do it, one bead is one breath, or one bead is an inhale, the next bead is an exhale. One bead is an inhale, the next bead is an exhale, and you go all the way around that way, or you can use a mantra and say the mantra for each bead. I have done that using a number of different mantras, long ones like nam yoho rangekyo, and short ones like Om, 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 108 times. Another thing that I think is awesome, and I may get some pushback, but this works for me, it works for me, is to just do like a 30-second meditation. I just sit on the ground, put my hands in prayer pose. I'm a big fan of pressure, like body pressure, so I don't just put my hands in prayer pose. I tuck like the knuckles of my thumbs into My chest, like I I push it like against the bony part of my chest and I press my hands together, which just automatically kind of brings me into my body. And I find that calming and relaxing regardless of everything else that I do. But then I close my eyes and I just take three deep breaths. This is something that you can do all throughout your day. And it does have a little teeny tiny meditation quality to it where you're just kind of wiping the slate clean of your mind it takes you out of your head for a minute and uh, I find too that keeping a date with yourself is really really helpful so the little thing I was telling you to sit on the floor and put your hands in prayer pose and take three deep breaths is awesome to do all throughout your day but also you can just promise yourself that you're going to do that Every single morning at 6.30 a.m., you have a special alarm on your phone that goes off at 6.30 a.m. to remind you, and you literally just sit down, put your hands in prayer pose, and take three deep breaths. I would like to know if any of you try this, if you find that it works for you or if you think it's very silly. I find... It works for me. Maybe it's silly and it works for me. (laughs) And this might actually be helpful for what I'm going to talk about here today. So let's move on to that. How to rule the shadowscape with love. This might be odd, but I wrote a little story to set the tone here. So, and I'm going to read that story to you right now. And here it goes. (laughs) Once upon a time... There was a queen, and she ruled over a land of darkness. The land was dark, with her own hatred of it. She hated her land, and she hated her people. The land was barren, and the people were filthy. The only place she wanted to be was in her castle, specifically the highest tower of her castle, safe from the squalor in an environment she could control." Her tower was beautiful and perfectly appointed to suit her personal tastes. However, she was up there all alone, and though she would rather die than admit it, every once in a while she would feel a teensy tinge of loneliness. Of course, she had many books to read and puzzles to solve and beautiful things to pass the time up there, but she secretly longed for companionship and dreamed of finding a partner or friend to spend time with, someone she could tolerate for more than five seconds, someone who perfectly reflected her own best qualities and interests. Occasionally, she would invite an appealing prospect up to join her in the tower, but Much as they tried to be on their best behavior, they would eventually disappoint or even frighten her by stepping outside the lines of her carefully curated rules, and so she would promptly banish them from the castle back into the darkness and squalor below. The squalor that was quite literally beneath her. She did actually try once to go down into the streets of her kingdom, but that was many, many years ago now, and she had vowed that attempt would be her last. For one thing, the stench was revolting. Also, the people hated her, which she did not understand because her coach and hair and dress and shoes and manner were all exquisite, the absolute finest, or they were, until she left the safety of her tower— The moment her boot touched the ground, it was irrevocably soiled, and the hem of her gown was soaked with the sewage flowing freely through the streets, which actually had something to do with why the people hated her. The unchecked sewage created a toxic environment for the entire village because she had not found a way to process all that shit. She hadn't even tried. And so the people in the village threw rotten apples at her head as she walked by, and then again at her carriage, as she rode away disgusted and shaken and certain that she would never again leave the safety of her castle. I know that many of you listening to this right now, you are totally on to me because we witchy new agey people speak the language of Metaphor, and if you speak the language of metaphor, you probably picked up on the idea that the tower in this tale is a metaphor for the mind. That was my intention anyway. And the greater castle below, as well as the surrounding land, is the body and the realm of the physical. So many of us myself included, have learned to escape the material domain, the cold, hard hard truths of this 3D reality, this body, this money, this home, by escaping up into our minds. Our minds are our happy places. Many of us learned to escape up into the tower of the mind as a means of survival, Where we, you know, when we were very, very, very young, because what was happening to our bodies or in the environment of our homes or the place that we lived in was unbearably frightening. But the body remembers, the home even records the pain. That is why decluttering your bedroom or getting a really deep tissue massage can unleash so much emotion. It's it's cell memory. The cell memory contains it. So you may have escaped up into your mind for your own safety. That may have served you at a point. But once you reach adulthood and once you want to start pursuing your dreams and once you want to start figuring out why your relationships are, aren't are working, it's not serving you anymore. You start realizing this actually isn't serving me anymore anymore. And that is why sometimes this idea of cell memory containing those experiences that frightened us, that's why I like sometimes to take an outside-in approach. I I take an inside-out and an outside-in approach, but I have found some of the most profound shifts. Some of the times that I've had the greatest aha moments have come from simply decluttering my home. It's pretty wild (laughs) it's like i thought i was just decluttering my closet but now i'm sitting here like having all of these weird repressed memories or i'm realizing like wow i do this thing because of this thing that happened 30 years ago since memory records it carrie fukunaga was trending on twitter this week i hope i'm saying that right carrie fukunaga Uh, He was trending this week because it was just announced that he is going to be the director of the next James Bond movie, the next 007 installment of that franchise. So I got swept up in the hype of that and ended up landing on an interview he did a few years back with Charlie Rose. And come to find out, he is a very, very serious Guy. He's a very interesting guy. And he said something in that interview that really grabbed me. It really got my attention. And I had to pause the video and write it down because it just had this ring of truth. He said, There's something indelible about emotional memory, it changes the way we look at the world. It does. It so does. That is why art and magic. And love is so powerful. Our emotional memories change the way we look at the world. And the way we look at the world shapes our experience of it. Indelible, too, is a powerful word um, that I wanted to pull out of this statement. There's something indelible about emotional memory. Indelible means making marks that cannot be removed. Making marks that cannot be be removed. As magicians and artists and deliberate creators of all kinds, we can tap into the power of that to shape our world on purpose. And emotion is key. If these marks of our past cannot be removed, they must be acknowledged and felt every time they are pressed upon. We have to feel them with intention to let them flow. So We can let them go. Feelings need to be felt. And and then we can move on until the next time something else comes along to press upon them and those feelings are brought up again. To know and acknowledge what indelible marks have been made upon you is to have power to release their poison again and again and again. And as many times as you need to until one day... Someone presses on that pain, someone triggers you in an old familiar way, and you find, lo and behold, you now have a new and different reaction. And then you begin to see the gift in that emotional memory, the gift in the pain, the gift in the trigger. You have thoroughly felt all of that emotion and released it to where I don't know if these triggers ever go away. Like, I feel like we have an awareness of them. But once you've done a lot of shadow work and once you've really, like, allowed emotions to come up and be felt so they can be released, that can happen in waves. That can happen many, many, many times. Once you've done that work... You are aware when someone is trying to trigger you, like family members know exactly what right buttons to push, or somebody you live with tends to know those buttons, and you start to get wise to that. You start to see them doing it to get a certain reaction out of you, and then you get to be like, oh my gosh, and I'm totally not going to react in the way that you expect or the way that I've always reacted before, and that's freedom. Freedom! And <laughs> but until that point, until that point, it's just a program. It's an old program that was put in place to serve someone else's agenda. They put that trigger there to get that reaction out of you because it served their agenda. You were trained to have a certain emotional response. To certain stimulations and the good news is you can retrain you can retrain your system yourself now as a grown-up Pavlov understood this when he trained dogs to salivate at the sound of a bell he rang a bell when he fed them consistently and so they came to associate the pleasure and comfort and satisfaction of eating with the sound of that bell so much so that Even after he stopped feeding them, when he rang the bell, they still salivated at the sound of it. And he programmed them to slobber on command. (laughs) Sadly, too, scientists have used pain to conduct similar experiments that prove the exact same point. We all know that fear is such a compelling emotion that it can elicit devastating reactions at the push of a button. Stress can literally kill you dead, all on its own, without the use of a factory-issued weapon. It is, it's its own weapon, and that's the power of emotion. And these old scary fears that hang out in the shadows, that is the shadowscape of your life, that is why, in the little tale that I wrote and read to you, that is why our Queen of Darkness lives up in her tower. Something happened when she was very young, perhaps. Something or most likely a long series of somethings that trained her out of her body. Someone or something taught her that the surrounding village and land is not safe, and that even the castle itself is not as safe as the private, well-guarded, and carefully controlled space of her tower, which is essentially a gorgeous, well-appointed prison. That is the temptation and the trip of living up in, in your mind. That tall ivory tower. (laughs) The tall ivory tower of lies that separate you from the frightening reality of your body and money and strangers out on the street. And in this way, reality, so to speak, starts to look like a hellscape of landmines. It becomes a land of darkness. So going with this whole land of darkness metaphor... Imagine that you are that queen or king in the story and that the subjects of your kingdom, the disgruntled villagers, uh, the angry cows, (laughs) the people throwing rotten apples at your head, those are the cells of your body. Each cell contains both its own innate wisdom and the sense memory your life has created. Our memories are literally contained in the cells of our body. And I believe they are also symbolically contained in our material possessions. So like I was saying about decluttering, you can include, you can include uh, your possessions as members of your kingdom in this metaphor as well. And you, whether you realize it or not, are the sovereign ruler of this land. Your land, a.k.a. the shadowscape of your life. And you, or the programs of thought and belief you carry, set the energetic tone for every inch of it. As such, you are the maker And the enforcer of the rules. You decide what will be punished and what will be rewarded. This is your land. This land is your land. This land is whatever weird-ass programs are put in place as land. (laughs) (laughs) And its hills and its valleys and forests and fields of abundance are carved with both dark and light, each defining the other and crafting a horizon that is entirely unique to you. If it were all light or only dark, there would be no land at all. There would be no defining characteristics. It would just be fathomless, infinite, incomprehensible space. It is the contrast of the light and dark that makes the landscape possible. And to truly own it. To rule as the sovereign being that you were meant to be. The secret is you must find a way to love it all. The dark and the light. So... That is why I do shadow work. That is why many of us do shadow work. And something about this idea, right? Of like, you hear the story of the queen up in the ivory tower who doesn't want to come down to the filthy squalor in the village down below, you know, you might hear that story and be like, for God's sake, girl, just go outside, get some sun on your face and, and hang out with the people if you're lonely. And It really doesn't work like that because the squalor and the filth and the sewage flowing freely in the streets, the angry villagers throwing rotten apples got that way over time. They are that way for a reason. So it's not like... You do a little bit of shadow work and then just poof, magically you wake up. You're the shining princess and you come down the steps and you step outside and the sun is shining and there's a pot of gold and a unicorn. It's not an instant makeover. It's a process. It's a shadow work is a tool uh, because we have to dig ourselves out of the pile of shit that's been accumulated like year after year after year after year. And... It takes a long time to go down into the streets and to look like we need a plan to get the sewage flowing to where it needs to go so it's not out in the streets making people sick. Uh, I need to start making friends with the villagers, and I know I can't just snap my fingers and make that happen. I have to slowly build trust over time. How are we going to clean this place up? That has been my experience. I have been unlearning All these old, weird ideas that were put in my head when I was young, I've been unlearning those ideas. I have been decluttering. I have been doing shadow work. I have been doing this work for so many years. And it doesn't look like it looks on TV, you know, when somebody gets an instant makeover and they step out looking all shiny and new. I I know at the beginning of my spiritual journey, I was looking for answers. I was looking for the answers answer that would fix everything and allow me to finally be the person of my dreams. The person I literally have always known that there was something in me. It's like something special that wanted to come out, but I would just constantly sabotage it and screw it up and make a mess of my relationships and be an asshole. And like, I just made a mess. I made a disgusting river of sewage. I made the angry villagers uh, because life to me was so scary, and so gosh, living up in my head was awesome until it wasn't right like it's It's lonely up there, but then you come back down, and your house is literally a mess. Your house is a mess, there's clutter everywhere, your finances are just nutty, like you worry that you're gonna even be able to buy food by the end of the month, much less pay every bill and pay everybody you owe and Oh God, I hope something doesn't happen to catch me off guard and surprise me because I won't have the money to cover it. And what is that thing that that person said to me? Like, you secretly think all your friends hate you. They're nice to your face, but they hate you. And some of them do. And like, there's just all of these messes that you have made by living your life a certain way, by living a life in fear that when you want to come back down into the light and make friends and be happy and be in love, it's not that simple. It's a process. And I'm really, really digging the word process right now, because it's helping me in a physical way. (laughs) This is because again, like I've talked about here, clutter was like my favorite thing to make me feel safe. And in decluttering for years. I have learned I'm a person who does not process not only, you know, something like a bill, like a large bill that I have to pay, but amazing things, abundance. Like I would get Christmas presents and leave them in the box for a ridiculous amount of times. I was not processing my life. And the lives we are all living right now, we live in this state of like hyper consumerism. And Things are coming at us fast, which means we have to process them fast. And and we're so skilled at doing that, like in our minds and in the virtual reality, although I have to say, maybe not your inbox, <laughs> uh, that, can, that can acquire clutter pretty quick too, or your desktop and things like that. But we're moving at such a fast pace and things are coming in so fast, it's easy just to shut all that off as a way to... <sighs> <sighs> just take a breath for God's sake. It's a self protective mode sometimes to just shut down because you don't have systems in place for processing everything that's coming in. And at some point, too, you can start to use the power of no, no, you cannot send me mail anymore. No, I don't want your newsletter. No, I'm not going to buy another box of crap from Amazon. No, I do not need to have all of this stuff in my life. No, I cannot keep up with all of these different groups and programs and blah, 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 blah. No! So you can do that to stop the madness. But then you can also develop systems to process the mail that comes in. So you only deal with it one time. A process to, when you come home from vacation instead of leaving your suitcase in the middle of the floor, like uh, this is how I used to unpack. (laughs) I would leave my suitcase on the floor in my bedroom and it would get unpacked gradually as I needed things. So (laughs) some things would just sit there for a very, very, very long time. And when I say very, very, very long time, I want you to know what a clown I am. I mean, months. A suitcase on my floor for months, like shoved into the corner. And what would happen is like a pile of laundry would grow on top of the suitcase. And I'd be like, hmm, I wonder what's under this pile of laundry. Holy crap, that's the suitcase from when I went to stay with my family in Bakersfield three months ago. Awesome. Oh, here's my missing earring. (laughs) So literal physical processing of things can be very instructive. When you start looking at processing all of the shadow junk that's hanging out inside of you, and the two can kind of go together in a really interesting way, but something to hold on to in this whole like the queen living in the castle scenario, you living up in your mind, learning to come back down into your body, learning to engage with your finances like a grown up learning to manage your home in a way that is pleasing to you and the people that live there. Again, it's a process, but think of it step-by-step as slowly building trust with yourself over time. You're building trust, and you do that one unpacked suitcase at a time. (laughs) And um, when you get into doing shadow work, the way you build trust with yourself is just in little pieces. Like shadow work is something that that you do throughout a lifetime. It's a tool as you go forward. It's not like a one-and-done situation. Like I said, it's not an instant life life makeover. It's not like that. Um, but the the purpose in doing shadow work is to feel your feelings. So the first rule, if you will, in shadow work, the first rule in Fight Club is you have to learn that it is safe to feel your emotions. And that can get scarier and scarier and scarier as you start reaching back into like the memories of your childhood. But you have to feel to heal. It's only in feeling our feelings are we able to release them. I recently heard somebody talking. I feel like it was Marissa Peer maybe. Somebody was talking about that holding hold you have to release your feeling feelings or you have to excuse me you have to feel your feelings to release them and she was describing it as holding in gas i think this is such a good analogy <laughs> If you have a really big fart that you were holding in for a very long time because you don't want to be offensive, it can start to give you a stomach ache. And the only way to not have that stomach ache is to release it in a big old stinky fart. And she did not get into all of that. All she said, (laughs) I just embellished. I embellished what she said a little bit. (laughs) Because all she said is, it's like holding in gas. You, You know, you have, it needs to be released it needs to be released, and with, the, with these old, shadowy, pent-up emotions, you have to feel them to heal them, and digging around in the shadows will definitely stir that shit up. And if you feel that there, if you sense, and I feel like we usually do when this is the case, when you sense that there is something in there, there is something in the shadows that is so unbearably terrifying, Definitely enlist, if you're blessed to have a person like this in your life, enlist the help of a loving, trusted friend or family member who knows what shadow work is, you know, who knows about this stuff and can be there with you when you're feeling the big, bad, scary feelings. Or hire a professional therapist who specializes in healing trauma. If it's too scary to go there alone, find someone to go with you. And uh, the shadow love audio journey is self-study. Everything I create is self-study, but you can totally do it with a friend or your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your roommate, if they're into that thing. um, If that feels better to you, like listen to it together and then you can do it together. So yeah, that's what I have to say about fearing less, because I think fear is such a, a jailer, a jailer, a jail keeper. What do you call a person that keeps you in jail and has the keys and the cartoons? That guy. <laughs> That's who fear is. Um, but the big bad lie is that like the damn door to the prison isn't even locked. You could just walk out at any time. It's all a lie. So yeah, I'm going to hear. Let me pull up I'm going to wrap this up right here because I feel like I said what I wanted to say, but I want to tell you again, like the, it's called shadow love return to the Seed of the soul. If you want to do that, if you want to get the 20% off the discount code that you put in at checkout is I love my life, all lowercase, no spaces. And this, I just pulled it up here so I can read to you the little thing that I wrote to promote it on gum road, which is where I, I sell the thing. This six part audio journey is designed to gently guide you back through the shadows of your psyche to the seat of your soul, a place from which genuine self love flows and a greater sense of purpose resides. Every journey is unique, and yours will be dictated by both your personal experience and your level of commitment. Therefore, um, oh, these are directions. I forgot I wrote this. Therefore, it is recommended that you have a designated journal or notebook to track your journey and that you set aside at least an hour a day for six days in order to get the most out of each installment. The following installments will be delivered to your inbox over the course of six days, although you are welcome to open them at your own pace. Should I read those? I guess I will read those. This is a really good, people love to do shadow work around Samhain, uh, Halloween, the winter transition, and I'm one of those people. Um, So I guess doing this at the end of September, you're getting a jump on it. (laughs) Or you can sign up for the audio journey and they'll all go to your inbox like on consecutive days and you can do it around Samhain and you can open it up then. If you want to take advantage of the discount, which is only going to be up, I should say this as well, Um, I'm only going to leave this up for two weeks. That's it. And then it's coming down. It's going to be up from two weeks from today. So the installments are called The Courage to Be Yourself, Your Energetic Immune System, Love Through the Ages and the Forgotten Child, Woundmates and People Mirrors, your new value system, and the gold just out of reach. And what I mean by audio journey is it's very much like a podcast, but it's more focused. It's less it's less joking around. There's no talk of farts, as far as I can remember. <laughs> it's 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 if if you like listening to the podcast, you'll probably like it. And each installment is a little audio clip for you to listen to, and then there there are journal prompts and things like that. So. I hope this was helpful, whether you decide to do the Shadow Love journey or not. And uh, I'm going to Nashville in just a couple days. I'm so excited. This is our annual birthday trip, our fourth one. This is a lifelong thing that I started four years ago. I'm very excited. We don't know where we're going next year, so I'm open to suggestion. If any of you have ideas for the continental U.S., where should we go next? We've been to Big Sur, Portland, Oregon, Boston and Salem, Massachusetts, and now Nashville. I'm I, I'm interested in New Orleans, but Tanner is afraid of the flood that happened with Katrina and all of that. And my family is afraid that it's so scary and dangerous that we're definitely gonna die if we dare go. So maybe that's something I will save to do with a girlfriend sometime because <laughs> Tanner's not thrilled about it. Um But I don't know where else to go. I haven't been. I've been to Chicago plenty many times. New York is a favorite place of mine. But other than that and the places I just mentioned, I haven't seen anything. Where should I go? Where should I go? And uh, until we meet again. Happy fall, y'all. Much love. Peace.